When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What separates Michael Sire from Miguel Reyes? Uh, I don't really know. I I feel like they're pretty interchangeable. I mean, I, I always get in this like awkward conversation with people when they find out like uh, <clears throat> my my name is not really Michael Sayer. They're like, oh, what would I call you? And I'm just like, you know, my family calls me Miguel because that's what I that's who I am. Uh, but I really have no preference at all. Like, you can call me whatever you want. Um, so, I don't, I don't really see a difference between the two. It's just, like, the name that I'll stamp on the music, you know? Is that a safety net in any way? Like, is it easier to be vulnerable when you have a slightly different name for your creative output? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, the less complicated version of, like, why I am, my name is... Michael Sayer for the music is just because it's just an interchangeable version of Miguel Reyes. You know, Michael Miguel uh, Sayer is is Reyes backwards. But uh, I, it's definitely definitely is like it feels easier to be a little vulnerable when you're not like when it's not too personalized. I guess like uh, I used to I used to do like poetry readings and stuff, and I would always like. Uh, I'd always just put Michael Sayer there, like n- not thinking really too deeply about it. But uh, it was just like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, like I don't want to put my real name on there. So I guess, yeah, I guess it's easier to be vulnerable with that kind of, I guess, linguistic distance. When when were you doing those poetry readings? Man, that's a good question. <sighs> I was doing a little, like, in senior year of high school. And then maybe I kept doing it, like, two years after. So, probably from, like, 2012 to 2014. Was that, is that kind of around the same time you're doing the creative writing degree? I guess so. Because at the time, I was doing community college. You know, I, I, I always knew that, like, I liked writing and uh, I had a knack for it. 
but I didn't really like commit to anything because I was just in community doing my general education. But yeah, I, I guess the two and two, they lived hand in hand. You know, I was doing it and then I enjoyed it so much that I decided to just do creative writing for my formal education. I imagine when you do that degree, how long is it? Four year degree? Three year degree? Yeah, it was about four years for me. Four years. I imagine over the course of that, of your study of writing, you become more articulate as a person. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do you see that manifested in your songwriting too? over that transition, those four years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, like music is like the most personalized thing. And it's definitely like a way for me to be um, more articulate about the things that I don't really uh, feel confident to articulate in like a normal context. Definitely like writing and, and creative writing and just writing in general and music, it definitely helps me express those things that are on my mind. Could we apply that to the new single? Uh, the most recent one, yes. Yeah, because it feels like... I mean, it's not something you've touched upon too much in your music, but it is on this new record a little bit more. We're looking at, I guess, bigger issues, more political-based, but how they impact you on a personal level. Is that shift just because that's something that's been on your mind, or what's pulling you in that direction? Why is now the time to speak about that for you? I've always admired songs that kind of explore things about, like, race and racial identity it's it's like a tough topic to tread on i always wanted to write a song like that um i just you know kind of put it on the back burner until something felt right and this one felt the most right that it could be um so i just i i just kind of went for it but i've always kind of like wanted to explore a topic like that especially for me who's like lived in those shoes but yeah i, I guess it was just like right time right place that i was waiting for what changed what was it about so did you have the instrumental first is that what was provoking this narrative for you yeah so like i i did have the instrumental first uh, i mean every song is different you know sometimes the words come out first sometimes the instrumental comes out first sometimes the melody comes out first but this particular one like i, I just had the the guitar riff you know which is like trying to play on that stereotypical Chinese, oriental. yeah the oriental uh, melody and uh I, I liked how the tone of the guitar was like it, it felt very uh kind of like motown inspired like the timbre of it but it didn't feel right for me to just like have it like that and not have any lyrics reinforce that kind of theme you know so I was like, what, what is it that I can write that kind of elaborates on this stereotypical oriental melody that, you know, most, most people would recognize if they heard it. So I was just thinking about it, like what, what, what could justify me in using this, this kind of melody? And I mean, the first obvious thing was, was like my experience as a Asian American and, and then it just went from there and it just felt really natural. I mean, I love it too, because like what you're saying about that guitar, if it tricks us, it pulls the rug out from underneath us because you expect it to be that familiar melody and then it shifts at the end, which is essentially in parallel with the song's narrative because it's looking at the dangers of stereotyping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel right just like doing that melody and then just making some song that doesn't, you know, explore those topics. Like if it was like that melody and then I, 
I start talking about love. That makes no sense at all. And so it just felt like the most natural kind of route to talk about how I've experienced life in America as an Asian American often, you know, like because uh, the song explores how there's not much uh, Asian representation, especially, and I can't, uh, I can't speak on others' experiences. Like the most important thing is like, I'm expressing what I've experienced from my personal narrative. And like, at least from me growing up, uh, coming from the Philippines and moving to America, growing up in school, you know, it was just like Chinese, you know, like, oh, you're, you're, you look Asian, you're foreign, like you must be Chinese. And I don't know if that, if anyone can relate to that, but for the most part, I write what I know. And that's, that's the experience that I went through. Does it feel like the climate has changed in any way since that point? Or is it much and such still in the same I mean, state? there's definitely, it's definitely a lot better, you know, obviously we're, we're like as a society getting better at having those conversations and there's like a renewed interest in conversations about race and uh, particularly uh, Asian representation and different nuances in Asian experience. There's definitely a lot of work that still needs to be done, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess it, it came hand in hand that, you know, there's like, there's this new conversation that, that people are just tapping into. And I guess I just wanted to take part in that in some way. When did you start to feel that conversation coming back into the picture? When did you start to see that happening for you? I mean, I, I don't think there's like necessarily a specific time frame where I can pinpoint that on. But I mean, if we just look at 2020 moving forward and how m much of a part of the conversation of Asian American nuances are. Yeah, I can't really pinpoint it, but, uh, you know, there's just, it feels like there's, there's this new, uh, discourse about it. When, when did you write the song? 2020. In quarantine? Yeah. So this whole album I wrote in, in quarantine. What kind of time frame? Well, I had like two songs, like I had some material, maybe like late 2019. I just didn't, I didn't really commit to it. And then, uh, and then I moved not too far away, but I, I moved, uh, sometime around like May, May, 2020. So I was like moving all my equipment to a new place. Quarantine happened and we were just all here. Um, I was just here and. I was like, now's a great time to write a record. That was about it. Did moving do something for you? Does that spark new ideas, that transition? Uh, I think so, yeah. Because for me, like uh, writing a new record always feels like kind of relearning because the process is always... There might be like similarities that intersect between records, but for me, it's always relearning a new, a new process. At that too, like all my equipment was all over the pa the place, so um, I didn't really have like a comfortable day-to-day uh, -day that I could just fall back on. I just had to find new tricks on like what I wanted to record, and it, since all my gear was all over the place, uh, it felt really natural to start simple. So I always just kind of started with a, with an acoustic guitar, and yeah. 
What you said you had two songs from the end of 2019, did you say? Yes. What were those two songs? That was a, a good fool and miss my baby. And I think uh you know what? I think it's three songs. So it was a good fool, miss my baby and um uh, ambiguous love. Is that why you decided to drop miss my baby as the first single? Yeah, that usually when I like make a record, I just the first single that I do it always just feels natural to just do the first song that it just kind of started with. Ambiguous Love is an interesting one too because you're kind of you're touching a lot on familial love in that one as opposed to romantic and looking at your family and your parents. And there's a line that I really like where it's something like you're talking about you and your dad and you're saying like dad and I can talk about anything from girls to God, I think. Yeah. Was that a reflection of your relationship to your parents growing up? That ability to just have an open conversation in that way? Yeah. Uh, so I had like a really fortunate and privileged upbringing, you know, like a, I know that like a lot of people that in my life that, that I know personally, they usually have like parents that are divorced or parents that are out of the picture. And, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing, but uh, I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to like have had a nuclear household. Um, my parents were always really involved and they always opened up conversation to me and my siblings. And, you know, like they filmed our childhoods and they were always really there. And like, I'm really fortunate for that and thankful. So obviously as an artist, I'm still gonna still articulate the things that I, that around my mind like even if you have the best upbringing there will always be things that like you think about and you want to express and like you'll always have stuff to struggle with but yeah that was a uh, I guess that in that song that line specifically that's me you know even though I'm expressing like something that is like on my mind that might cause me a, a bit of discomfort like my parents are always like there and uh, they always have an ear for me I remember you saying before in interviews as well that your parents, when you were young, when you were really young, they kind of realized that you were creative and really supported that. Yeah. When did you first realize you were creative? When did you first feel that desire to create and make things? When I was a kid, uh, like I just kind of did stuff. I think I originally picked up guitar because like my brother and my cousin were jamming and I just got really jealous. Yeah. So I picked up the guitar and like, I'm like a very tunnel vision person. So like once it's at my fingers, it's like I won't I won't leave my room until like I've felt like I've accomplished something. So yeah, I, I learned the guitar, you know, learned a few covers. My dad showed me a few Beatles songs, learned a few Beatles songs. But originally it was just like I wanted to kind of be involved with my brother and my cousin while they were jamming. Comes back to connecting to people. Yeah, I guess so. I I never really thought about like a oh I I I'm like a creative person and there's like an end goal for me to express something up until like probably like community college where, you know, I was like working a job and, and, uh, I just was really unhappy. And then the community community was like pretty tough on me. And I was like, uh, I feel like I want to like just make an album or something, you know, just something that expresses whatever it is that I'm trying to say and, and yeah, that's, I didn't really think about that up until like 
community college, basically. And did you create something at that point to express what you wanted to say? Yeah, I think I did. Around that time was like when I made my first album, which was like Ugly Boy. So, so yeah, like uh, I was like working the job and then, um, and then I was uh, doing community at the same time. And then uh, I think I just quit my, I quit my job and uh, then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna grind it out and like try to make like a project of music. And I did that for like maybe like a year and up until I had like a good amount of songs or tracks and, and then, yeah, I had Ugly Boy. That was about it. Did you feel satisfied after you released it at the time? Did you feel like you'd accomplished what you wanted to in terms of saying something in a statement, like what we were just saying? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that first album is like all over the place in terms of like a theme. I think a, a big part of that album was just kind of like a person with a lot on their mind just kind of like puking it out i guess <laughs> it's interesting that you're saying that those songs don't quite have a theme that draws them all together when it comes to this upcoming record at what point in the process do you draw a line through all of those songs and pick out a theme or find something that connects them for you you know i i think uh this record might be a lot more similar uh to ugly boy i think it's a little more matured and uh it's a little more tame, but uh, I think the ethos was was relatively the same. Like uh, I was trying to address multiple things that were on my mind. The intersecting theme would be that all those wh- whatever, like despite the multiple things that, that the conversations that I'm having, I think the line that draws them all together is like, those are what I believe consist of my personal identity. The kind of blueprint for it was that when the album comes together as a whole, you wanted it to be a reflection of your identity from a lot of different angles and sides and kind of giving a full picture. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Like, cause you know, for me, identity is like a very fluid and dynamic thing. Like it's, it's not identity is like nothing static. So even though it feels like there's like a lot of big topics being, um, I guess, tapped in, I think it it all contributes to that fluid identity. How, do you feel like your identity has changed in any way since you finished making this album? I would like to say I don't think so, but you know I could be wrong. I'm I'm a fan of uncertainty, so uh, <laughs> I'd like to be proven wrong. Um, I know that like for me, making a record is like emotionally draining and sometimes you you learn things that that you wouldn't necessarily like to learn about yourself after making an album at least for me i can't speak for anyone else but are those things that you learn are you conscious of them completely or are they more just feelings i I guess it it might be more so with uh reconciling with certain things about at least for me you know like my, my personal identity do you mean like aspects of yourself you maybe aren't as proud of or comfortable with or? Yeah, I think comfortable is, is the the right word. This idea of identity, how big a role would you say music has played in shaping your identity, creating music and shaping who you are? I think it's a, it's a pretty big part, you know, like, I mean, at least for me, the reason why I get up every day is music. That's about it. Like, I, I feel, I think I feel the best when 
that's on my mind. I, I, you know, like I love touring and I love everything else about being a musician, but I really just thrive on the energy of, I guess, making that record, you know, where like every day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm going to go record from eight to four or something. And like, I might be pulling my hair in the time in between, but it's like a goal for the day. And like, I, I really love that feeling. Was there ever a day during the process when you felt like you hadn't achieved anything and you felt like it had been a waste of time, but then when you look back on it, it actually proved to be quite a successful day for you creatively? I mean, for sure. Part of making an album is driving yourself crazy because every day is not going to be, you know, lightning in a bottle. You know, a lot of days are the spaces in between where you're just kind of fine-tuning stuff and listening to it like a million times. And I don't know if necessarily that's like, I'm sure there's like days that I wish I could have done something else in some different way, but you know, I can't change that. There's a million ways to do something, but- It's all part of the process. Yeah, the point is just to do it. And then when you get there, it'll be okay. What was the most intense part of the process for you then? Writing some of these songs, like in the sense that like, I don't know, some, some of the songs like uh, have, it's a little uncomfortable, you know, like uh, kind of tapping into like this feeling of discomfort. Like uh, one of the songs on the record, like Chemotherapy, it like taps into like a memory that I had. But uh, it's, it's obviously like one of the fondest memories I have, you know, it's something that like I really cherish, you know, uh, like playing guitar in my dad's room after he went through chemotherapy. Um, like that's like one of the fondest memories I'll ever have uh, because I don't know, it's just such a tender moment. But like writing that song, like I couldn't help but just choke up every time. Like it's just really hard. It's like a... I don't know if you've ever had a pet, but like, have you ever like just randomly thought about like a dog dying and it just like, you can't help, but just to your, your throat closes up and it's, you know, and like that feeling is just compare that to like someone that is in your family, you know, and it's like, it's really intense feeling. And I just had to keep reliving that. And yeah, it was, it was just like a little uncomfortable, but yeah. You hear that. I mean, that song's so raw, even though you're saying you're pulling from a memory that's a little bit farther back. It feels almost present when you're singing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was hard to record that one. I just kept choking up. (laughs) How many takes? I mean, every song is like a million takes, but (laughs) I'm not like a a uh, (laughs) one-taker. Do you know that when you have the take as soon as you've done it? Or is it only something you figure out when listening back to it? Uh, It really depends. Some... Some takes, you're like, okay, this is the one. Some takes need a little more convincing, like uh, in post. You're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, uh, maybe I could do a better take. And then you mess with the EQ a bit and you're like, oh, I like this. Would you ever bring someone else in to try and help you with perspective on takes? Like if you're kind of losing your mind on your own, trying to figure out which one's the best? I mean, I kind of already have that. Um, so like, you know, I live with my, I live with a few bandmates, so... If I need some perspective on something, like a, a take or just an instrument or whatever it is on the song, I'll just pull them into the den and ask them, like, oh, what do you think about this? And 
especially for this record, I worked pretty closely with my bassist. So uh, usually our workflow was like I would have uh, all the tracks pretty primed up for him and then he would like set a day aside to do the bass. But, you know, every time we did that, I would always ask for his uh, kind of uh, two cents on how the songs were going because I really value his his perspective, his like music perspective. He's really talented. Bassists always have a great idea because they always have to play for the song. So they always have the best understanding of it as a whole. Yeah, I I would say so. Like bass almost feels like, and yeah, I'm I'm not like the biggest bass person, you know, like it's, it might be like the instrument that aside from drums that I struggle with the most, but uh, yeah, something about a really good bass just, it's like a heartbeat for the song. Are you are you almost more melody led than rhythm led then? If you're saying you kind of struggle with bass and drums a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, you were saying as well earlier on, you started off in like hip hop groups. Do you hear that in your guitar playing and stuff now in terms of where you're going melodically with it? I can't really tell, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I, I, I always like different styles and I always get kind of invested in learning new things but i'm sure it it's it's there somewhere i think more so hip-hop i've in my formative years i would say that what i benefited the most from was like structure at least from hip-hop in what sense uh well at least from the hip-hop that i was you know into when i was like a little younger structure was very uh it was very standard and like i don't know i i like I think I make simple music, to be honest. You know, it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You know, sometimes put a bridge on there. Uh, or a little bit of a skit, like on Pretty Girls or something. Yeah. So I always try to apply that to my music. And especially for this uh, record, you know, I wanted to go simple. You know, like I just wanted a simple format to get the ideas across. Would you ever advance it too far and then strip stuff out again? Or does it just arrive simply in its simplest form and you don't develop it? No, sometimes, you know, sometimes I can get carried away. Sometimes when you're making a track, you feel like, you know, you need to add all these embellishments and stuff. But at least for me, I kind of come to the idea that sometimes the less is more, you know. When, if you did add too many embellishments, when would you get the perspective to take them out again? Probably just sitting on it or or asking a friend like hey is this too much how long did you sound the record for you said you made it last year finished it last year yeah so i finished it i started like may may 2020 and then you know you add you tack on some time before that because i had the three songs but i don't really count that because i mainly started recording at may and i i think i finished it right at december of 2020 and that that's it finished at that point locked in no more changes i mean i probably like faltered and went back a bit uh for uh post stuff you know like getting it mastered but yeah more or less it was it it finished around that time was that a kind of constant momentum the whole way through the process or did it wrap up a couple months before december and then it was just tweaking it and just making it perfect before that point I'm not sure if I could tell you, like, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes making an album was like a fever dream, at least for me. But uh, I think I believe it was like momentum through just consistently. And, and I just hard finished December. 
and then send it out you know after you finish it how long do you take off writing i mean i'm I'm terrible at that you know like uh my uh my spectrum spans from complete obsession to complete disinterest so when i'm done with a record i'm just like i i don't want to write songs for like a whole year or two years you know i've had like eps here and there like between albums but if you like look at like a from ugly boy to bad bones to this one it all of them are gonna span like the albums themselves the there's always a three-year gap between them when you're saying you go to those periods where you get obsessed is that because you have the concept for an album in mind or you have the idea of an album in mind is it easier to write when you have that kind of overriding thing i guess so yeah i mean um it takes a lot of time and effort and emotional emotional will to to write an album or at least like in the space that i am in because it's like a very it's a very like diy do-it-yourself space um so like once i'm done with the album it's like i'm completely drained and i just really need to like refuel i guess do you feel like there's more fuel in the tank now or is it still filling up uh i feel like i'm getting better as i'm growing older with like you know the realization that i have to constantly be making music all the time so yeah before when i was like younger it would, i just like stop completely for like years and then up until i had to do it again but now it's like you know i'm a little older and and i i feel a little more comfortable with like how i record and stuff so uh yeah so i'll 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 just hop into it every now and then but i still would like uh a break because of how i guess obsessive i get when i start recording are the breaks almost like gathering the inspiration as well uh yeah i guess so you know yeah because at the same time you know like you obviously want to have like some experience to write about i don't want to write about like the same exact thing and and it takes some time to to find those things you want to write about is that almost is that maybe that's part of taking the break as well though because if you went back into it straight away do you think you would just end up circulating around the same topic yeah i think so i I, yeah i i don't want to like obviously there's songs that have intersecting meanings or like ideas in there but for the most part, I'd like to write something fresh every time. I guess if you're tapping into a specific experience every time, though, it's always going to be a little bit different, at least. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I have two songs about chemotherapy, so. <laughs> but coming at it from slightly different angles. Yeah. Was Miss My Baby written with Baby Yoda in mind? <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it's, it was actually a song for my dog who, who passed away. Her name was Baby. Oh, man. When did, um, or did Baby Yoda inspire the green hair? No, nah, no, nah, I, I, it was actually, uh, this anime that, because I, uh, yeah, I, I really like this anime, uh, My Hero Academia, and, uh, yeah, I just died, the main, the protagonist has green hair, so. Would you ever put an anime when you're making music in the background? So visually stimulating? Not really. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I mean, maybe sometimes, usually after, after this, there's, there's a song there, but yeah, my, my desk isn't pretty when I'm recording, so. How do you mean? It's just like papers all over the place, and just cups. Do you write everything, write everything down, like pen to paper? Oh, no, 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 no. I just meant like random ass papers. Maybe I'll write like one line down, but 
Usually I'll just work off Notepad on my book or something. I mean, my uh, MacBook. Would you ever write straight into the recording software if you're self-produced too? You know what? I'm not really good with with my DAW. You know, I I, I manage enough to do the bare minimum, but uh, kind of don't know what I'm doing. Does that make it more honest though? Yeah, I mean, I I guess so. It really depends on your perspective. Uh, I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm just you know, for me, it's just like a I like really immediate things. So like it's, it feels natural for me to just punch in, punch out, you know. When you say punch in, punch, do you mean in terms of writing into the computer? Or do you mean in terms of like the schedule you're on where you're saying you work eight till four? Usually, like in the software, you know, like usually I'll just put a mic on something or record in like a, I don't really use the software instruments, kind of just record what, it is i and especially for this record you know it was mostly off acoustic so i just like slap a mic near the acoustic and just work from there is it more or less intimidating to kind of approach your third album do you think no i not i mean i'm sure that i'll always have that uh kind of general anxiety of like oh a new record you know like that i'm gonna put out you know i wonder how it's gonna be received or you know that's something you can't ever disassociate with for music i guess maybe some people do it better but uh i think for me i'll always have that but uh in terms of like you know hyping it in a perspective of like oh this is gonna be my third thing like i don't really think about that um i wouldn't want to but uh yeah for me it's not really about the number i think it's just like I just want to feel proud with a body of work that that maybe expresses my personal experience. That might be the most important thing. Even though you know you don't think about it as the third record or whatever, would you place it in your mind or place what you're creating at that time in the context of everything that you've done before, all the music that you've made before? I don't really think so. I mean, for me at least, it's like I don't like looking back at projects you know it's like once it's out i want to just move forward to the next we were talking about identity a little bit earlier on as well and i've read you say before that sometimes you felt like a little bit of an outsider at points what role did that play in shaping your identity as an artist and in your music i think it probably played a huge role in it you know like just for background like i was born in the philippines and I moved to America when I was like five years old. And yeah, I, I think coming to America in that context, you know, like you are overtly labeled as kind of different, you know? So like you have that very explicit different difference as a kid and it will definitely affect you in every other aspect of your life. Like whether it's, you know, in, intense or the most subtle feeling, like it, it will it'll contribute to it. So I, I feel like just starting off in that way, like I've always felt kind of like outside looking in, you know. At what point, cause you, I imagine you, well, you obviously had those feelings before you were creating music. At what point do you stop seeing it as a disadvantage and a negative thing and start to turn it into a positive thing through creating? I think I've only 
only recently like have viewed it in a positive way you know i think everything up until like community college you view it as a disadvantage just because you're not you're not emotionally or you're not emotionally emotionally mature yet to like view it as like something that's not negative or or as a disadvantage you know i've only just recently like viewed it as like okay this is like a great thing you know this is who make this is what makes me me you know is that community college itself did it do something or is it just a kind of symbol of when you are maturing as a person yeah no i don't think it like it's just like a a very easy uh time frame for me to to kind of look back on you know do you ever look back in periods in your life based on the album you were making at the time? Do they ever serve as markers in a similar way? You know what? I I don't. I don't I don't think so. What else do you kind of use as markers then for the different periods in your life? Usually like school or relationships is the easiest thing for me to think of. I guess in America as well because you have so many different kind of layers of school. Middle school, high school, community college. Yeah. It's just, university. you know, School just seems like such a long period. It's ridiculous. So, like, it's just the easiest frame of reference for time for me. Does time feel more fluid now those markers are gone? Uh, I guess so. Time is so weird for me. Recently, after 2020, <laughs> which just kind of, like, globbed over itself. Doesn't count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it just seems like time's moving so fast, you know. And so slow at the same time, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's the idea that the days are long and the years are short. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you more conscious of what you're doing every day? I don't think so. <laughs> sometimes <Nah. laughs> sometimes I just go through a day, you know, farting around. You need days like that too, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that. You know, if I could get paid to do that every day, I, I'd do it. Where do you find fulfillment in daily life when you're not making music? Like if you go through a period for a while where you're not creating, what do you center yourself around? That's a hard question, man. I mean, I think I most of the meaning I derive from my life is kind of centered on music. But uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's important to have days that are completely unrelated to that, you know, like... I really love playing video games, you know, I like watching movies, I like eating, but most of all, you know, I like having a goal in mind, so. How long-term a goal would that be? I don't know, that's also, I hate to keep defaulting to that answer <laughs> of like, oh, that's a tough question, you know, but like again, I, like I said, uh, I'm a fan of uncertainty. I mean, obviously now I know more than ever, like I'm sure if high school me met myself now you know like high school me would would be like yo you have like you're you're sick bro like uh you fucking have done so much you've toured you've released a few albums yada 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 but like n i've come to realize that like uh no matter how much you have you know like there's always going to be that feeling of you wanting more and you know that might be a toxic thing that might be uh something that might be uh a feeling that's a bit humbling when you sit on it but uh something you have to be okay with you know is that you're gonna want more but uh you have to keep reminding yourself that the things that you you do have and things that you have achieved you have to be proud of those things
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.